This episode of the Round 6 Podcast is brought to you by Trailer Tug, the world's strongest trailer dolly. Learn more at TrailerTug.com. It's the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories. Hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stubsky, Alex Welsh, and Brad King. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 66 of the Round 6 Podcast. Another great episode tonight, we're going to have automotive artist, fine artist, funny car letterer, storyteller, Kenny Youngblood. Hang in there. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Brad. I'm Alex. I'm Carson. And I'm Kenny Youngblood. There yeah. we go. Hey, we are uh, we are blessed to have uh, a legend in the house tonight. Actually, two legends. How about we go one and a half legends? One and a half legends. <laughs> not, 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 to, not to downgrade you, Carson, but... Uh, uh, I think I'm maybe a more oh, of a quarter. Man, I thought you were talking about me. Not me. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, that, that would be an upgrade then. Yes. Uh, uh, uh. Remember, Brad, my, my PayPal account is. Uh, but hey, uh, how are you tonight, Mr. Youngblood? How are things going in your world? I'm doing, oh, really great. We're back here in uh, our hometown of uh, Henderson, Nevada. and actually been a pretty mild summer so far. That means it hasn't been over 110 degrees much, but probably <laughs> pretty close today. Hey, speaking of Carson, you know, uh, Carson and I go way, way back when uh, yep. he was just a youngster. He'd come by the paint shop there in Bellflower, California, and, and watch us paint the funny cars. Right, Carson? Yep. It's uh, one of the things I was going to talk about tonight. I don't want to necessarily start with that because people might get bored. But yeah, this guy was an amazing influence on me when I was a kid. I was uh, I was affectionately, Ed Big Daddy Roth laid the name on me. I was a shop rat. Because when you closed the doors at night, you had to make sure I was on the right side of it. I, I'd sleep in those places if I could. And Kenny was <laughs> Kenny and the, the Kirby Funny Car Factory was on my on my circuit. That's one of the places I literally stopped by at least every week and would kind of sneak around and carouse around. It's so like, gosh, I was trying to remember Kenny if I was like 12 or 13 when I first started hanging out there. Right, right about that yeah. age. Yeah, it was uh, oh probably uh, 69, 70 when uh, when I was. We started working back there. Yep, but so it, it would have been it would have been a little, little older then. It was an amazing place. We didn't know how just how incredible it was back in what I call the uh, the great funny car boom of the seventies. That's when the things just multiplied like uh, rabbits, and there was uh, probably hundreds of them across the United States, and and uh, we were fortunate to uh, be able to paint quite a few of them. The, uh, the gentleman I worked for, Don Kirby, was um, a hard worker. And uh, I'm not saying all painters, but some of them have been known to, you know, want to drink or do other things uh, while they're painting. And, and Don didn't, uh, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke. He'd, he'd get up early, hard worker, hell of a painter. He really loved doing candy colors. So he would get there early in the morning and uh, paint the cars. And uh, I'd come in the afternoon and work late and get them lettered and uh so customers knew they could uh come there and get a nice job and it would be 
be on time for a reasonable price. So we were like overnight uh, successes there. And it was uh, always cool to have uh, young people stop by like Carson, several other guys that uh, grew up and got into the industry. I mean, there was a lot of history there. I mean, just from just from the cars and the characters and the personalities and the development. Of it. So well, my first question is, how did you start at Kirby's? What were you doing before? And even before that, what led you into, you know, graphics, lettering, art? Give, give us a quick intro, because I honestly, I've never, I, I know, I think, was your mom an art teacher, Kenny, or was she involved in art? Uh, uh, she was uh, an artist herself and yeah. studied art, and she was my teacher. She was the best teacher I could have ever had growing yeah, up. Yeah, no no she doubt she was a good one. Had amazing knowledge of art, and um, I wasn't really good at sports, and I liked to draw and things. So on weekends, she'd take me to uh, art galleries and uh, uh, art shows and, uh, and uh, demonstrations. And I just kind of soaked it up uh, like a sponge. And of course, and she knew all the principles of art. And it's no different if you're painting the Mona Lisa or uh, a funny car grill. The perspective, color, shading, the principles of art don't change no matter what you're doing. And so, uh, and they were supportive because my parents did. Uh, my mom, my dad, my uncle were all painters, and um, they were uh, they did traditional subjects, landscapes, portraits, still lifes, and that didn't interest me at all. I wanted to draw cars and boats and planes and mechanical things. And, but uh, my mother was very supportive. And in fact, uh, when I was 16 years old, sitting at the kitchen table, she walked by. I was sitting there drawing my favorite subject, uh, slingshots, fuel dragsters. And she, she looked at what I was doing. She said, someday you'll get paid for doing that. And this was 1960. Uh, 60 and uh, I remember thinking who would ever pay somebody to draw a dragster but as it turned out uh, a few years later that's, that's what we started doing so in the meantime I was um, I worked uh, one of my best friends John Kaiser his dad had a machine shop and I, I worked there and I wasn't much of a machinist but uh, he started building go-karts and he asked me one day to do an exploded view of for their parts breakdown for the go-karts. Well, that I could do. So I did up a pretty neat drawing, the, the go-kart uh, exploded view. And uh, the owner of the company that we contracted for, that was a Boeing contractor, he saw it and, and asked me if I'd come up and work for him as the tech illustrator up in Pasadena, California, Britannia Corporation. And yeah, I jumped on that and, and went up there. And of course, Carson, this was before computers. Everything uh -huh. was hand-drawn. Yep. All the blueprints were hand-drawn. And the, yep. and the, um, the tech uh, illustrations were all hand-drawn. So we were doing that. And um, uh, I was real good at it. I was pretty bored. It wasn't really what he wanted to do. I wanted to go racing. And I uh, went to uh, took some art courses at Pasadena City College. And uh, I'm a racer at heart. I eventually... Got tired of that and built my first uh, injected Chrysler fuel dragster in about 64, 65, and uh, started racing myself. And uh, the way I got into the industry was by painting, uh, lettering a car for my friend Gary Messenger, who had a injected dragster like mine, and he had it professionally painted uh, by Dick Olson there in Bellflower, who mm -hmm. would eventually be Don Kirby's partner, and and. Uh, uh, Dick wanted uh, uh, Tom Kelly to do the lettering, and of course Kelly was the, the king. And but Gary said, "No, nah, I've got this friend. He's pretty good. I'm going to have him do it." And so I lettered up the car for him, and he took it back to have it 
cleared and dick looked at it and he says that's pretty good and he called me and, and he said hey i'm tired of waiting in line at kelly's why don't you come down and you can do all my lettering so whenever i see kelly i always thank him for for being so good because that's how i got started in the, uh, in the business and it just kind of snowballed from there you know that's awesome and so when you were doing the technical illustration did you have your own set of rapidograph pens Sure you did back in those days. Those? Since you asked me, I got to tell you a funny story, Carson. That um, um, back in those days, uh, draftsmen would use what was called an isometric projection, mm-hmm. which was uh, drawing things on a 30 degree angle, and you had 30 degree ellipse guides and yep. and guide for the nuts and bolts and everything. And it was it was a process where a draftsman, who wasn't necessarily an artist, could could draw these. Uh, you know, assembly drawings using the isometric system. Well, uh, to do it right, you you would plot out these drawings. And of course, we were designing very complex flight controls, uh, like when you're in an airplane and the flaps go up and you see those those complicated valves underneath. That's what mm-hmm. we were building. And so they they bring you a stack of blueprints two inches thick and and say, okay, we need an assembly drawing of this this valve here. You know, and to plot it out would take you know, days and days, and so it occurred to me one day that all it had to do was look like the part, that nobody was going to measure it or anything, so I just set the valve up on my desk at kind of a 30-degree angle and, and just sketched it out, and, I, and then I came back with my ruler and ellipses and tightened it up, and, and I had the thing done by by lunchtime, and the, the chief engineer came in, and he says, how'd you do that so fast? And I says, this is fudgeometric. A bunch uh, of metrics. The bad news was I I, they couldn't keep me busy, and then I go around and talk to the employees. So they finally got mad and fired me, which is the best thing ever happened. I'd probably still be there if they hadn't. And that's when I, uh, you know, built uh, built my own dragster and and got into racing. So well, it's funny for the people who don't understand isometric projection. What you used to do, because I started off on a drafting board, is you would do the the three views. You know, the, the the top, the you know, side and front or whatever it is, or you do all all yeah. views. And you would project those uh, views up onto a, a, a projected angle upward. And so isometric projection had no vanishing point. I mean, the lines just went on infinity. Right. It, it, so it didn't vanish. Right. And so they never looked quite right because boxes were completely right. box-like. They didn't taper yeah, off at the end. Were. They didn't go to one point or two point vanishing points. And so they looked really mechanical, but they didn't have a lot of style to them. So once they started doing That's them with that. vanishing points and shading and backgrounds, and, you know, going to a vanishing point, then things look more real. So it's funny how that moved. But in the old days, yeah, you're right. Many uh, engineer, drafting engineer, draftsman could do isometric projection, but couldn't draw a box to save his life if it went in perspective. And so yeah. perspective really exactly. is more of a feature of art and really became more prominent during the Renaissance and during painting and all that stuff in the Baroque period when things were highly detailed. And But uh, yeah, I did many an isometric projection back in my day. With with uh, fudgeometric, I could add a little perspective in yeah. the part. Yeah. So, better. do you remember the first car you did at Kirby's? What was the first project you did at Kirby's? It was the first car. Oh gosh, you know, I I really couldn't say for sure. I know John Ewald tells me that it was the his Bank America car. Oh yeah. Uh, down there, which could have been. I don't know. I don't remember exactly, but. Uh, yeah, so the Bank of America car was a front-engine fueler. There was two brothers, John and Don Ewald. They, they both had different dragsters. One was allegedly built with this credit card, so it was called the the uh, MasterCard, right? And the other one was called the Bank of America car? Yeah, and it was uh, it was one of the first Butera. Uh, it was That's right. It was a beautiful Butera car. 
And uh, but all I recall was that at that time, I was uh, an unknown in the uh, in the racing circle there, and um, and so uh, and I was I was still learning. I didn't take any fine painting classes or anything, and I would just learn by watching other guys at the time, like um, uh, you know Jack Burr and Dennis Rickliffe and, mm-hmm. and Dennis Jones, and I'd hang out at Blair's and watch them if they came to to uh, to letter a car, and so. I was still kind of learning, and uh, and so uh, Dick and and Don would have me do start doing some of the local cars like uh, Butters and Gerard and mm-hmm. uh, Dave uh, Mad Dog McKenzie's Dean Engineering car and and a few of the local guys. We did uh, we did uh, Mert Littlefield's first oh. funny cars, Rapid Transit Dodge, mm-hmm. uh, painted that, and, uh, uh, and so we just slowly but surely, and then actually the Don Kirby, of course, my boss, built the Beach City Chevrolet, the topless right. Corvette. Yeah. And uh, he got it all done. And and he said, Kenny, he says, this, uh, don't take it personally, but he said, I'm going to have Steve Feinberg letter it. He said, I don't think you're quite there yet, you know. And I agreed. I said, that's fine with me. And so I probably learned more watching Steve that day letter that car than I than I would in, in years. And then I did uh paint the second one after he uh yeah you know, yeah that one to the ground i don't think there was a topless corvette roadster that ever survived more than half a season no. there was a <laughs> pure hell conway yeah. beach cities fiberglass trends marv eldridge there wasn't a one of them that completed the season with the same body yeah maybe they were kind of cursed of course don yeah. ran the chevy motors and back then right. there was no aftermarket yeah. stuff these were steel uh yeah. 427 chevy blocks you know and and uh Boy, they really made power, and they sounded so good, but uh, they just didn't want to live real well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. You mentioned watching other guys learn, so now I don't feel so bad after bugging you a few days there. So I'll go ahead and tell the story. When I was when I was a kid, uh, you know, I used to get on my bike and hit all the all the places between Reith Automotive and, gosh, uh, Kirby's, of course, and watch Kenny and Kirby. And then uh, California Street Rods was right down the street there where they it was Kiefer yeah. who built those. He was on the other side of the street there. Uh, yeah, like I said, he had Reith Automotive. So I could go anywhere within that Lakewood Long Beach area and just get a dose of all the automotive drag racing stuff I wanted. So um, I'd, I'd heard about this free place from a friend of mine's older brother was there sanding down fiberglass bodies for like two bucks an hour back in the day. And so I parked my bike and I went in the back and Kenny was kind of notorious for not wanting to have a lot of people watch him, which I understand. So remember you didn't, you didn't really like people watching you. And so Uh I stood at the back of the room and at the back, you were on kind of, I forget, I guess it'd be the furthest South building. And I'll never forget. And I tell you this story a hundred times, you know, in fact, you signed a model of this car for me. You were lettering the Barry Setzer Vega, which was a butter built car, a lot of innovation, beautiful car. I mean, Pat Foster drove that car. That car was a stellar performer and beautiful paint and lettering. And, and so I watched you for about three days on that car uh, from putting down the base lettering and airbrushing on top of it. It was still wet, doing the highlights, doing the, the drop shadow, the big black outline, all the thanks. You know, they had pink lettering on the quarter, everything. And on the third day, I think I don't want to quote you directly, but you said something like because I thought I was being so stealthy. You know, I thought I was being so, so careful to watch and not bother you. And I think on the third day, you said, you know, you can stand there day after day looking over my shoulder, or you can pick up a brush and learn something. And I went, wow, this, number one, this guy sees me, and number two, he's willing to help me. And so I got a couple of quick lettering lessons from you. It, it, you know, if memory serves me well, you kind of showed me some things. And then literally the next week, or a week or two later, you had uh, moved, I think, to Big Bear to start your art gallery. 
Is that correct? Right uh, after that no. car? Right about that time? Uh, or, or you left? Yeah, no, it was that uh, moved to, to Orange. To Orange, uh, that's what it was. That's right. Actually, my first studio was was actually in Long Beach uh, with Bob Cashler. We started uh, in about, gosh, early 70s. Um, and Bob Cashler is, is a name that's, that's not well known in racing, uh, mm. only because the guy was was pretty reclusive he still is he wouldn't go out to races or not but he was really a genius and back then we didn't have a name for we didn't call him marketing guys yeah he was just a guy that got people sponsors and uh he was really good at it and certainly everybody has seen the uh the fruits of his efforts uh, yeah. primarily uh Don Perdome's army mm-hmm. uh, cars back in the, the 70s and uh Gary Gablich's Blue Flame, and I yep. think he helped us get the Mongoose, but he did. And the Wonder Wagons, he did, yeah, did yeah. a lot of stuff. And so, in fact, Carson, uh, I'm, Bob is he's in an assisted living home, but oh, he's gosh. doing well, and he's still working. I'm actually working wow. this week on a, a project for him that uh, uh, I can't divulge uh, what it is, but uh, once we get it out there, it's going to be pretty spectacular. Nice. Well, I remember that it was right after that that you went and started that. And I literally at that, even though I was a young teenager, I went home and cried. I had just, you know, I I had always been fascinated with signs and graphics. Whenever we drove anywhere with my mom and even on vacation, I'd be looking out the window, checking out the neon signs and the lettering, the fonts. And if it was shadowed or outlined or drop shadowed or block shadowed or offset, inline outlined, I, I mean, just couldn't get this. And I didn't even know what I was looking at. I just knew I liked it. But when I watch you break down lettering, fundamentally mechanically i just started and you gave me a few tips i just started practicing more and more and more and i came back probably about a week later or maybe two weeks later and said oh no kenny's gone i went no no he can't be gone and uh it was it was fun for me because i had seen him at different events and shows and i didn't really formally get reunited with kenny until literally almost 20 years later when i saw him at sema and went up to him. I said, you're not going to remember me but i was a kid who hung around and you said oh i remember you i remember who you were yeah I think you even called me by well, my nickname, which surprised me. I'll tell you what, Carson, and I'm sure that most of the, the viewers don't know it, and maybe not even uh, Brian and uh, Brad there, but uh, you, Carson, left turned out to be one hell of a sign painter and do beautiful <laughs> work. I'm not just saying that. Absolutely, uh, I so agree. Yeah, actually it's... blown away and thinking, wow, Carson did this? I mean, this it's fun Beautiful for me work, because so. I mean I I ha- and thank you it means I mean coming from you guys that means a lot because I mean I hold you guys in such high esteem I mean Kenny you were the guy who really invented that genre not just the lettering style and the gold leaf and the shadowing the airbrushing all that that really you guys really said it in the early days but the paint paneling you know the striping between the the accents the targets the way you guys did graphics and because you were responsible not just for lettering. You were responsible for a lot of those cars, you know, team graphics, their transporters, their cars, their trucks, their uniforms. I mean, you were you were all the way down yeah, with later, everything. Later on in the mid to late 70s, that's all we were doing. I, I kind of had two jobs going there for a while. I would uh, get up, uh, I'd get down to Racing Graphics, the studio in Long Beach with Bob there at uh, 10 or so in the morning and work till 4 or 5 designing graphics. Uh, for the cars and shipping them all over the country. And a lot yeah. of them went to Bob Gerdes back east at Circus. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'd he- head over to the paint shop to Kirby's and uh, work till midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, painting cars. So I kind of had to make a choice. And as love as I, I love the smell of a paint shop in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still, to this day, in most opportunities, I get to paint a funny car. I love it. But uh, 
I knew that uh, a broader use of uh, my abilities would be designing the cars. So uh, well, that's I mean, what we did. And I remember you even gave me advice, too, that you said this, this isn't an easy business, kid, because guys bring you cars at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and they want it the next morning. And, and they all go home and sleep, and you're working. <laughs> and he said these guys well, never, I, you're the last guy to touch the car. When you do the lettering, you're literally the last guy to touch the car. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I always I was saying that uh, to be a race car sign painter, you have to work with guys that wanted to look bitching, they wanted to be free, and they want it now. <laughs> other than that, it's simple. And other than that, it's a, no, it was, it was a good business, and that really made uh, a good living doing it. But, uh, yeah, you are the last guy to uh, to get the car. The lettering lettering's the last thing. And I can mm-hmm. honestly say that uh, the car, uh, everybody made it to the track. There was never a single car that didn't make it to the track because we didn't get it done. We, we yeah. pulled a few all-nighters to do it. Mm-hmm. I could tell you stories about that, but. Uh, we we got them done. So, and it was always cool because I could look at the car and immediately know you had done it. I didn't have to walk around to the back to see the big K for Kirby and the blood did it on there. I, I could look at the car and go, that that's a Kenny Youngblood car right yeah. there. So, I I thank you for those lessons. They have served me well. It's funny I've, you know, in business I've done a lot of things on the business side, and and I think you, most people know the story. Is I you know I thought I was going to be a doctor and ended up designing medical systems because. I realized back then there just wasn't enough money in it for 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 me where I wanted to do and and uh, doing race car graphics all the time. So I pursued that, but I always kept a sign shop in the garage. I always did race cars and you know a few funny cars, yeah. a few boats and stuff and stuff. Now I just do it for fun, but it's it for me, it's the best therapy going. But man, I I owe you a lot. I mean, you gave me some great tips and techniques. In fact, you gave me great business advice when I was struggling for a while there. You said, you know what, you need to raise your prices. And I said, well, Kenny, if I raise my prices, I'm going to lose probably 20 or 30% of my customers. He goes, yeah, you are going to lose them. You're going to lose all the guys who don't know what they're paying for. You're going to lose the guys who go to you because you're cheap, not because you're good. And I said, really? He says, yeah. just try it. Try it for a month. And I tried it, and I worked less hours and made more money. And I came back and talked to you, and I said, gosh, this is crazy. How would you know that? He goes, well, it's real simple. A lot of times when, when I turn down work, I give them numbers of guys like you and other guys that are struggling. So you knew that the best business to have is the guy uh, who wants you because you're good, not the guy who wants you because you're cheap and available. And it, for me, it was a great business well, lesson. I'd never really understood that formula that, that that's the way to really grow a business is, is by people searching you out because you're the best at it. Yeah. Well, gosh, I'm glad I don't even call, give me advice, but I'm glad I did. And, and that same advice I received from Bob Cashler, who was my mentor, uh, in the business end of things and, and learn so much from Bob. Back then, to digress a little bit, it was such a wonderful time because nowadays, of course, everything is, is digital, vinyl wraps and things, and that's really the most practical way to do a race car because especially uh, race cars, drag cars especially, I mean, things are terminal. They might, yeah. I've had them blow up on the burnouts, you know what I mean? Yeah. They might last uh, a week, and they, they might last a year, they might well, last two weeks, you know. And so the, the vinyl is the way to go, practically. But, of course, back in the day, we didn't have the, the computers, and everything was hand done. And on top of that, and so the guys, back then, there was more of an emphasis, I think, on making the cars pretty and look yeah. nice. That yeah. was a big deal back then. And so yeah. you had uh, painters like George Cerny Jr. Yeah. and Don yeah. Kirby and Bill Carter and Bob yep. Gerdes and Tom Stratton and guys that were really kind of friendly uh, competition, compete with other, each other who could make the most beautiful car. And, of course, Nat Quick 
And so the cars were just gorgeous with these multicolor handy paint jobs and the, and the names and they had personality. And, and of course, all the things that old school drag racers love that, that we don't see much anymore except at the, the nostalgia races. But that was, the for me, the fun part of it because just uh, as a technical sign painter, I'm so-so. I'm a poor pinstriper. I could get the job done, and that was about it. But, um, but doing the designing the, the big name, I would call it, on the side of the car or a cartoon or something, and, of course, doing the, the three-dimensional-looking grills and taillights yeah. and stuff. That, as an artist, that's the part that, that I really yeah. ate up. And, um, you know, so it, well, it was a different era and a, and a great time, and, and those cars were just is beautiful back then and the guys really cared about making their cars pretty and it was of course always the most rewarding to work for somebody that wanted to win best appearing car that was important right. as important right. to them as as how fast they went mm -hmm. you had guys like raymond beetle and joe paisano and of course run leong crew all trimmed out so many of them yeah and al segrini he came yeah. to me and he says kenny i want you to do this car for me and I says, what's the car's name? He says, Black Magic. And I says, well, that's a cool name, and I, I love working with Black, so, so let's do it, you know. And, and to come out with something, I could always tell when we came out with something good by how how much it was imitated. Yeah, that <laughs> and, style, uh, yeah. yeah. Or as I would say, the imitation is a sincere Sincerous form, form of thievery. <laughs> thievery. But uh, we would see, uh, and with the Black Magic car, you know, at that time, the, and there was a lot of drag racing magazines back then, which, of course, right. was also very cool. You had Carcraft right. Hot Rod, which a lot of it, but you had uh, Drag Racing USA and the popular Hot Rodding. And so there was a lot of coverage on these cars, and yeah. so it was it was kind of a un, unspoken rule that, well, black cars won't get on the cover of our, our magazine, the Black Magic, which was, uh, you know, not, it was primarily black, but it had a lot of colors on it. And uh, it was on the cover of three magazines in one month. So um, we liked uh, doing stuff. And then, of course, I'm glad that I did my best to help you. I don't remember a lot of that, but a lot of other people uh, came along. Mm -hmm. uh, it amazed me that I was pretty much the only guy uh, doing the graphic designs full-time. We were the yeah. first uh, artist to full-time do that stuff. And it was almost almost a decade before other guys uh, would come along. Uh, you know, Steve Stanford, Dave Peters, mm -hmm. Ed Golden, Steve Bell, and, uh, and a lot of artists that would come on later. And, and, and I always did my best to help them out because it's a big world. You know, there's room for everybody. And, and so I would do my best to help those guys out and then get them started. And well, it's one of the nuances the I was going to talk about on the cars too, is back in those days, cars had identity. Like you mentioned, they had names and they had paint jobs. And that was one of the thing about oh, a yeah. bunch of independent guys that had maybe two or three B level sponsors instead of a big one. So the car name, like the Hawaiian jungle gym, whatever it was, sure. they weren't, they weren't the Amico top fuel or the Castor oil mm -hmm. top fuel or whatever it may be. And yeah. God bless, God bless those big sponsors. Cause they've made the sport get bigger. But when the sport got yeah. bigger, it moved away from that personal custom paint job. It went more towards corporate colors. And the corporate colors, even in the early days, I mean, I've got a buddy, um, John Meehan, who in Sticky Fingers Design, he did all the Kenny Bernstein cars for Top Fuel. And he hand-cut all those things and spray-masked them. And that was all drawn out on a pattern, put on right. a car, hand-cut and sprayed. And he did those at um, Paint and Place. 
Jerry Seavers right. And they did. Yeah. They were a factory there, too. But you forget that yeah. those cars had names and, and personality and colors that played into those names. And, um, you know, so when it went corporate, it changed that a bit. And then also, you're right, when they start blowing up bodies and the corporate guys are writing the checks for new hand-painted lettering, they could have another set of vinyl, you know, up on a roll ready to go and stretch it out and be yeah, ready to go as opposed to painting a car. And so that was always an issue. In fact, for a short period of time, I was doing a bunch of uh, lettering and pinstriping and graphics for a couple um, Supercross and um, uh, Speedway motorcycle teams. And literally, they would pick up a set of skins for their their, their Speedway bike. This was Mission Yamaha. And I would immediately, when they went out the next business day, order another set of skins and paint them. So I always had a set ready for them. And I never had a set of skins, you know, covers sit on the shelf in my shop more than like a week or two because they were they were like yeah. tear-offs. They were like tear-offs. Yeah. They were just consumables. But but the, the whole idea, too, you know, walk me through the, the painting of the grills because at first they just used to silver them out and they just mock them up. And then... Then we started getting the grills, the airbrush grills with the shadows and the depth to them. And tell me the famous Afro Afro uh, pick um, uh, spray oh, yeah. through technique. You were yeah. the first guy to figure yeah. out that was the. Give me a little background on that because I watched it. It was like watching magic. Yeah, well, I did. Uh, actually, Phil Burgess interviewed me about doing the grills and stuff. And I first thing I was to point out is that I wasn't the first one. Uh, to do that, when we first started doing the funny cars there, Dick Olson's and what the grill and the headlights and stuff were just painted silver, and yeah. and that was about it. Tom Kelly actually uh, was the first guy that uh, that did it, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, that I ever saw. And they were on the Snake and Mongoose uh, funny cars. Oh yeah, he made the headlights like they were on. He's kind of cross-hatched some white on there and did a a simple grill. But man, that that set the bar. And yeah. So. So uh, we started doing them. You took but, it to uh, another whole level. Yeah, eventually. I mean, I look at my my early work uh, that those pictures of me painting the grill and the the mm -hmm. pure hell uh, funny car wide uh -huh. scene, and I look at them and I cringe because I mean I had the reflections upside down in the headlights and a lot of stuff that was pretty weak, you know. And uh, but uh, we eventually got it going, and, and other guys. Uh, raised help raise that bar. I know Jim Mosier and uh, and uh, John Glaspy did some beautiful. They started adding color in there, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, so uh, we eventually we got it uh, got it down. And so that's why I would tell people, hey, I want them, I want people to break their fingernails trying to open the hood on this thing. <laughs> you know, it looks so real. You know? So but, when did uh, you decide that spraying through an afro comb would be a good way to get headlights? Oh, God. I don't remember. I don't think I was doing it in the early days. Probably, probably. Yeah, I think Terry, my Terry has recurly hair and she had a pick and mm -hmm. I just snatched it one day and, and, uh, would do the, at Phil Whetstone shops, she, she says, and I would do the, the lines and headlights, which worked really good. So, yeah. you know, airbrushing is, uh, a lot of guys think it's a magic tool, but it's, really simple device it's just a miniature spray gun and uh, you can do so much with that uh, with that airbrush and I love the opportunities uh, that I get rarely these days uh, let's see about I don't know at least a year ago I went down and did uh, the replica of Eddie Sharpman's Cougar for Doug Herzog oh, and nice. had a ball you know, and, it, and it came out uh, really nice and so uh, it's it's always fun to do the the faux faux headlights and stuff but there's guys now that do it i mean uh eric reyes old stick man mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah, eric, i hope he's feeling better 
um, does, you know, amazing work. And of course, a guy that, uh, that got very little credit just because he was so low key and so laid back was John Pugh. Yeah. Pew Pew. Him and his wife yeah. together. Yeah. 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 Technically yeah. really amazing. strong. Yeah. yeah. Really good. And, and then you've done and, quite a few of the nostalgia cars too, like the Tiki warrior and the new well, ones that yeah, are coming out, you know, I was going to say, yeah, we've done a few nostalgic cars. I'd like to do more of them. I'm actually going to be working, hopefully, on a car uh, for uh, for Mr. Haddock. What's his first name? Terry Haddock. Terry Haddock. Terry. Yeah, Terry. Yeah. yeah, and he's building a nostalgia funny car, a Vega funny car, and wants us to do do the graphics on that for him. And so uh, so we're working on that. It's got a cool name, man. He, he, he borrowed it from Pirates of the Caribbean. It's called A Fool's Errand. <laughs> and uh, nice. so nice. we're doing doing a treasure chest. They open it up, and there's no gold of drum and I, uh, jug of nitros in there, you know. Nice. But uh, but I love doing them. And so nowadays, Ashley Carson, I'm I'm uh, always been pretty shaky. I mean, that's why I didn't like people watching me back then. And and I've got you know shakier as the years go by. So I'm too shaky to do hand lettering anymore myself. But I work with uh, Tim Seeger at Ultimate mm-hmm. Design. And uh, and so we can get if somebody wants that funny car painted, we can get her done. And, um, and nice. so I'll if I'll design some custom lettering for it. Tim can cut the spray mask for it and everything. And um, I just uh, if you guys somebody out there's got a a funny car, get it in primer and give me two days and we'll get her done. We go in one day, we put color on it, and then we come back and that's pretty amazing. Do the lettering, the airbrushing, and. That's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah, you're right with the computer masks now. You could do so much more work on the computer and get everything ready where you just put it down and go. In the old days, I remember watching you. You either would make a pattern on butcher paper and pounce it, or you would draw a Stabilo pencil right on the car. And I, you were the first yeah. to show me what a Stabilo pencil was, and I was amazed that you could use the Stabilo pencil and lay out. In fact, one of the, <laughs> one of the assignments you gave me was uh, on a piece of sheet metal in the shop and the back of Drag, Ra- or Drag News, the little like magic a pencil you can draw with that goes away with spit and so yeah. i'd never seen i'd never seen a stability pencil in my life i thought that's the coolest thing going so yeah that was awesome yeah it was awesome finally i think he got frustrated and said just go across the street and get us a couple burgers and i'll i'll talk to you more when i finish this car up but you're trying to get the car up. in fact yeah. i was telling the guys during the intro about that uh, it wasn't unusual for kirby to run down to the uh avis or uh, hertz rent a car and rent a vega run it into the shop, wax up all the doors, smear the whole thing with mold release, and pull a mold off it and take the car back to the rental rental agency. <laughs> I would say that that probably happened. <laughs> it you know, probably happened, happened more than once, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then he'd pull and, a buck uh, out of it and make a bunch of changes. Yeah, exactly. Boy, we uh, we stretched uh, more than one nose Oh yeah. on, uh, on a fine car. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's... Um, it's kind of crazy. Drag racing has is, uh, is, uh, come to what it is, and and a lot of those things that, that made it so popular yeah. uh, are against the rules, or yeah. nobody does anymore, yep. uh, like the, the names and stuff. And it's just kind of, to me, it's it's kind of self-defeating. You know, I mean, there's things here that uh, why, that you could do, you know, to make it more popular. Certainly, uh, when I had uh, for two years there I did uh, the fuel coupe magazine online right and uh, we interviewed uh, Don Perdome one time and the first thing I asked him about the modern day nostalgia funny cars and the first thing he said was well they need to be putting on more of a show and they need to be doing dry hops yes multiple and, burnouts and, and dry hops 
Multiple burnouts, yeah. And the the yeah. the, the listeners today that uh, aren't older than uh, sixty <laughs> wouldn't remember that. You know, in the olden days, there was no rules about how many burnouts you could do. And the right. funny cars would do two burnouts. They'd do a, a wet burnout. They'd call mm-hmm. it a big smoky burnout. And they'd back up and they'd dry hop up the starting line. They'd do a dry burnout. They'd back up. They'd dry hop up the starting line. So you had two cars doing this dance yeah. on the starting line. And mm-hmm. Perdome was describing this to me, you know. And, and he says, you know, that's just what they need to do. And, and of course, you know, the modern day guys would say, well, we can't do that with this clutch set up and this fuel, blah, blah, blah. But I'm thinking, you know, there's got to be, a, you know, a way to do that. Uh, it's kind of self-defeating not to give uh, put on the best show that you can uh, for the fans. I mean, yeah, they could go back to the old equipment. Uh, it's funny, the burnouts obviously were to, to, to warm the block up and heat up the tires, obviously. But the dry hops were meant to set the clutch because when you hit it hard, those clutch just you know slammed up against each other, and that would get the first set of the clutch. And Bob Brandt told the story at NHRA during one of the question and answer periods that they could listen to that car. Him and Don could listen to that car on the burnout and the dry hop and know if he would have to ride the clutch, ride the brake, or just hit it and let it go. He could tell yeah, by the exactly. sound of it that they could just tell yeah. by the sound if that tune-up was going to work and what they wanted to change for the next run. And uh, yeah, those exactly. those two guys, I've told the story before between McEwen and Perdome. I met those guys when I was 12, hanging out at the drag strip, and they were just profound influence on me like you were. And then the, yeah. the benefit for me was later when I worked at Hot Wheels, uh, well, I was there, head of design and engineering and licensing, and, and bringing those guys back in was just just the best. You know, guys I grew up with admiring, then I get to work with them. And then then I got to do a little help for you on some contract stuff too, which was always kind of fun. I got to try yeah. to pay you try to pay you back a little bit for all the stuff. but. Uh-huh. But the entertainment part of drag racing, yeah, I mean, you get smoky burnouts or, you know, two and three sometimes. Uh, and then you also had, you know, on just a regular weekend, you'd have 32 to, to 40 to 50 funny cars at Orange County, Irwindale, Lions. I mean, it was, you could go anywhere. I mean, it was uh, yeah. the barrier to entry was lower. It was more of a backyard sport. Big sponsorship hadn't kicked in. But guys were right. still finding ways to, to really do some entertainment. And that's really, really where it got going. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's awesome. I mean, going back to your work and then guide me through. Sorry, guys, I'm just hijacking this whole conversation. No, so. it's okay. It's all good. So, <laughs> when did you start making the shift from painting on cars to painting cars? Because you went to the fine art thing. In fact, Chip's got that one signature piece of yours in the office. I mean, when did you make that move? Like, yeah. I remember the Mooneyhams, who I grew up with, and I went to church with, and they went to elementary school with me. The first time I went to Freddie and Jean's house over on the other side of Delamo in Lakewood. I walked in the front room and I thought this was the coolest thing I'd ever see, seen. In their front room over their couch was a giant picture of the 554 coupe that you had painted. I mean, this yeah. thing was probably, yeah. what, two foot by three foot or four foot? When did you start making that move into fine art? Actually, it was pretty early. Back in the, uh, in the late 70s, I started doing paintings of some of the cars. I did uh, the first one I did, I think, gosh, was uh, the BB Mulligan cars. That had been, oh. you know... Geez, early 70s maybe, but uh, I did one for uh, uh, Kevin. I did the Trojan horse car, a Fullerton Doheny, and I did a painting Joe Paisano's car, one for McEwen's car. And uh, I would do these originals. Uh, it wasn't real hard to sell them. And, and then it occurred to me one day, the good Lord above, so to say, you know, a lot of people out there, if they uh, that like racing, uh, if they had the choice, would hang a race car painting on their wall rather than a, a 
landscape or still life. And yeah. so back then, Carson, there was there was no uh, motorsport fine art. I mean, you would see it in private collections or magazines. Right. And that was it. So it was about 78, actually. Um, I, I did a, the first two pieces that I reproduced. One was the Black Magic car, and mm-hmm. one was uh, Warren Cobra Miller's uh, dragster. And I made some little prints. They were like, oh, it couldn't have been like 18 inches or so. And uh, ran some ads in, in Dragster, and, and they sold okay. And so um, I found that the more attention I would give the art business, uh, the better it would do. And so mm-hmm. we really, back then, um, were pioneering the motorsport collectibles business because back then there wasn't anything. And uh, we started selling these prints uh, real good there in the 80s, was selling stuff worldwide, doing limited editions and posters and things. And um, it wasn't until, uh, gosh, in the uh, in the mid '80s, I think, that I saw uh, NASCAR came out with the little uh, baseball cards, and I remember thinking, "This is the beginning, man. This is the beginning yeah. of what's what yeah. turned out to be, you know, a billion dollar industry with yeah. racing collectibles." Well, I love I it that really- you you took you know a, a skill set you had and applied it to a different medium, you know, but but from the same passion, you know racing based uh, i love that fact that you know some people just think of you as a guy who lettered race cars or did this but you know on the fine art side you really paved the way for guys like tom fritz and uh, max grundy um on both sides yeah. from the from the from the graphic style to the highly illustrative style to the impressionistic style i mean you look at all the guys now and that whole automotive fine art society that that displays every year is at pebble beach i don't know if you've gone up there but oh my gosh man yeah. there's a whole group of them between edmonds and all well, those guys it certainly would have, have, have happened. I didn't make it happen, but I was probably, you know, one of the first. Yeah, definitely. To get it out there. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, that just shows really how you, how you looked at things differently. And then and then bring me up to speed on the Lions Drag Strip uh, Museum down there with, with price transfer. They just had the big opening last weekend. Um, I hear it was just yeah. phenomenal. I, I missed it. I mean, like I mentioned, my mom turned 95. We had a big party at the house for her. So that was the one reason I missed it. But I hear it was just phenomenal. Walk us through how you got contacted to sure. do that. How I mean, you worked on that for a long time with Yvonne. And, and walk yeah. us through that project. Well, it was, uh, gosh, probably now, let's see, at least two Two and a half years ago, maybe, and uh, my friend Dave Mandela that I knew just from being out at the races, and Dave owns the uh, Sherlock Mobdowney uh, rear engine car that he uh, he shows, and I've just known Dave casually, and and well, anyway, so he calls me up one day and says, "Hey, Kenny, you got to come down and see what we're doing here." And originally started out that they were just going to do some type of a memorial plaque or something at the actual entrance to what was Lions drag strip back then, which is now, uh, you know, it's a container, right. uh, truck loading, not there yeah. a lot, you know, but, uh, and then they, it progressed into doing this, uh, this display what would become the Lions drag strip museum for Rick Lorenzen who owns price transfer price trucking company down there. And, and he's just a huge, uh, car fan collector, and already had an amazing collection yeah. of cars. And, uh, and Dave says, we want to do this Lions drag strip. He says, we want to recreate the starting line down here in this building. And once you come down and look at it. So I went over there and, and as soon as I saw it, I, I had a vision of, of how it could look. 
and uh, and did a big uh, drawing of uh, of how it could look. Actually, Carson, I knew that, and they had uh, uh, Roy, another amazing uh, artist that was down there, had, had done a bunch of murals for him. Uh, I, I knew that the right way to do it would be to hand paint these murals uh, on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be honest with you, I didn't want to work that hard. I thought I'd be crawling up on a scissor lift and painting this stuff, you know. And so I tried to actually tried to weasel my way out of it and talk them into doing it digitally with wall wraps and and uh, uh, we actually did some samples and but I wasn't really happy with doing that. I knew that the right way to do it would be to hand paint them. And so eventually they wisely said, "Nah, we want it hand painted." So yeah. I was the last guy standing there, and so I uh, I did some. Uh, bunch of drawings and then I went down and started working on it. I knew I needed help to get the uh to get the lions part of it done because they wanted to, to to have a an opening down there. And my wife suggested that uh, I get a hold of Ivana Dallas. I'd known uh, friends over the years, a very talented gal and, and so she came down and and went to work for me as well as Keith Moreland, who uh the the, the it's in the museum, there's 20 foot tall walls in there, right. and everything is at the horizon is pretty much at eye level for everything. So you got, uh, you know, 14 feet of, of sky up there. Yeah, right, right. The clouds and, and everything. Uh, I remember, yeah, Keith Moreland, Jerry Moreland's son, that had the world's fastest uh, mm-hmm. street rod, the Ford, and his son Keith, I remembered, had told me one time, and he, that he was a good artist. He did architectural renderings, and he also did. Uh, ceilings at casinos with the clouds. And so I called nice. Keith and I said, hey, you still painting clouds? <laughs> yeah, I got all my equipment. So he came down and uh, worked his butt off putting all these, I mean, we're talking uh, overall about 5,000 square feet of, uh, of murals in there. And most yeah. of it is sky. And uh, Keith came down and did those clouds. And then I worked with Yvonne and uh, we just started uh, putting paint on, up there on the wall and of course it's kind of like being up high you can't look down you we we just worked on one little you can't look at how big this project is or would would uh, defeat you so we just one section at a time and and did as best we could and uh the uh the grand opening there i mean i knew when we were doing it that nothing like this had ever been done uh certainly for drag racing and i don't know for any more sport to at this scale but uh, we were doing it, and uh, it was coming out pretty good. And so uh, when they had the grand opening there, everybody was just, just blown away because there's never been anything like this. And, I mean, yeah. you can stand down there. You know, this, these rooms are like, you know, 100 foot square. I mean, a giant warehouse. And and so we recreated the, the starting line almost uh, full scale, probably 7 eight scale inside this building. And we used a combination of murals on the wall, and then we would do 3D builds-outs. We'd use actual chain link fence and a board fence in front of that or, or whatever. So a combination of, of three-dimensional build-outs as well yeah. as the, uh, the uh, murals, and uh, everybody was blown away. So, Yeah, Chip and I were lucky enough to be invited to look at it about a year ago when it was work in progress. He had just finished up the Lions timing uh, booth, the little tower. Uh, so yeah. if you could call it the tower and with the perspective and the awning that came out in the shading. And then for yeah. people that knew lions, I mean, it's got the bridge with people walking across the pit bridge. It's got a little cameo of Pappy Hart in his jacket when his little, his, his hat talking to somebody. It's got Kenny in the, in the crowd, talk, which I, I find. Is he talking to Mickey yeah. Thompson? Yeah. Who was the first yeah, manager. Yeah. And that's my story with Mickey Thompson when he was a manager of that track and I used to hang out there and he, he put me to work washing his cars. 
Um, but so it's got so much significance. It's got the power lines that were in the back, to, which would be, let's see, the power lines yeah. would have been to the to the east side of the track because that track ran north south. It ran, yeah, right. from the north down to the south. Um, you, you probably could have put some bean fields down at the end to make it authentic, but it's got the power lines. It's yep. got the sagebrush. We, we, we got the we got the bean fields in there. Do you have the bean fields in there? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. they'd come up the track in their truck. The the guys who were running the bean fields there would come up the truck with their rakes and shovels and shake them in the air at you because they'd run a car off into their beans. But the but the yeah. scale of it is phenomenal. The colors, the details. I mean, you got the Albertsons. Uh, olds on the return road with the magnesium wheels that are shaded just right and the slicks look right and i mean everything is just i mean it's like yeah. you literally feel like you're there and the cool thing is on the drag strip surface you've got the burnout marks you also have wheel yeah. you have the choppiness of a, of a, a tire from a like a street car yeah. without a traction bar or without you know good traction That's and it has that. wheel hops and some burnouts go kind of crooked and you had a lineup of, i think the pure hell car and the wind express and so real car, so it's a, it's yeah. a full scale diorama, but yeah, anybody, I, I don't know if he's going to open it up again to the public, but man, I, I mean, yeah. I just felt honored that you called me and said, Hey, what are you and Chip doing? You need to come down here and see what I'm doing. And went down there. I was like, Oh my yeah. gosh, this is my childhood. Yeah. Just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. What, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was a lot of fun. And by the way, Vaughn did those bag wheels on the Leonard, uh, Paris yeah. Albertson Olds car and she knocked it out of the ballpark. Oh, you know, yeah. but, uh, we uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I'm not sure uh, they uh, whether or not what they're going to do if it'll be uh, open to the public or what. But um, I'll let you know. Yeah, perfect, uh, perfect. Guys, I should let some of the other guys jump in, or I'm just gonna I'm gonna monopolize this thing for three okay. hours. No, it's uh, you know the cool thing for me before the other guys jump in here, I'll say is this: it, the coolest thing for me is you know growing up the way I did, a little different situation. Won't go into details, but. I hung out at a lot of places just looking for a little connection, and I had probably three or four significant mentors in my life, and Kenny Youngbud would be near the top of that, where it wasn't an intense amount of time. I didn't get to spend a lot of time with Kenny, but it was very profound. It was very impactful. Um, he was the first guy to really kind of teach me something, other than like a baseball coach or a little league coach or something like that, um, who taught me something that I was so passionate about and I was so hungry to learn and then he just got me on this quest. I mean, he just got me so, I mean, I was already, you know, just completely addicted to drag racing, but he really got me fired up about the lettering and the graphic part of it, which was so awesome. And then it's, it's awesome in life when years later you get to see people, you get to thank them for that, and then they become your friends again. That's even better, you know. And then, you know, through Chip and through, through Mattel and through other stuff, it's been just, I mean, it's been a blessing, Kenny. And I, I owe you so much, and I, you know, I, I, I sing your praises whenever I can. Thank you, Carson. I'll tell you, it's um, years ago, in 2014, I was honored to be inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame down there with Don Garlitz, and mm -hmm. um, I was writing my, my speech and talking about uh, how wonderful it is to be uh, honored by your peers, uh, but it occurred to me that there's an even higher honor than that, and that is when somebody that you've never even met comes up to you and says, you, know, you inspired me to get into the painting business or the lettering mm -hmm. business or whatever. And that, to me, is, is the highest honor when you can uh, inspire somebody to to follow their passion like we did, Carson. Yeah, it was all passion. That's for sure. It was all passion-driven. That's for sure. So somebody I, else needs to jump in. Or I, I don't know. I was enjoying that. <laughs> I got I to gotta jump in. Kenny, you were, you were a huge inspiration in me doing what I've done for a living. Um Back to the uh, different articles you had in Hot Run Magazine. I remember a, uh, 
a couple of really cool cartoons that were that were just over uh-huh. the top. And then when you when you airbrushed the uh, the guy in the chopper on the side of the van, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was that was a huge deal. It's like, oh god, I want to airbrush. You know, I want to do this stuff. It was, but I, I got to tell you that the, the the credit for the concept of doing that goes to the one and only Terry Cook, who was. Uh, editor of car craft when i met him and then he eventually editor of hot rod magazine and uh, that was his concept which terry's just a, a genius and amazingly creative guy himself and he called me up and he says hey chevy gave us this this van he said i want to paint uh willie borsch's funny car or still altered on the side using the wheels of the van as the wheels of the the race car and and i i knew immediately that, that was going to be dynamite nobody had ever done that before and, and he says what should we do on the other side and how about we put a guy on a chopper you know yeah but anyway they brought the, they brought the thing over to my house in orange actually and got out there with some one shot and airbrush and and That's painted awesome. it up and uh um the, of course the uh the end of the story is that uh those vehicles were uh, uh on loan from gm uh, for a year and they took it back and crushed it Oh no! Whoa. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, when I they have a museum, they could have put it in their museum, but jeez, uh, I would have got my jigsaw and cut those panels off that thing, and then let them crush it. Yeah, and the other ones you did like yeah. the Benito Magneto, which I love. Yeah, because that's what I was story. trying to think of. That's yeah, what Benito it was Magneto. called. That's yes. the one I'm talking about. Yes. Aerial, aerial Floppo. Yeah, calculated to surpass yeah, 300 yeah. miles per yeah. hour. I have one of well, Kenny's that... prints of that. I, I love that drawing. He's pointing to the sky, and it has, yeah. it's got sandbags yeah. and a, yeah. a weather vane on it. And yeah. 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 And then the other yeah. one was the Carcraft illustration you did of the Carcraft car with the front-mounted blower that was a Vega with the wheel pods and the oh, uh, yeah. front-mounted blower where they were talking about how, how our funny car is going to go faster, and they gave it to you. It's like, okay, come up with some concepts. That was just a... Um, Pin and ink drawing, no color. That thing was just yeah. kind of a top three-quarter yeah. view. Oh, my gosh. I just... tell you, actually, uh, Benito Magneto was was way more ahead of his time than that. that Vega. Benito, uh, there's a whole bunch of features on the Floppo Aerodynamico that w- would come to uh, come to pass. I mean, they didn't have yeah. roof hatches when I drew yep. that. They didn't yep. have fender bumps. They didn't have a lot of stuff. And, Kenner, uh, the Kennard wings, he had, he had side Kennard wings on it. But, um, and the, and the, the uh, multi, uh, multi-stage rear wing. Yeah. Back. But um, <laughs> uh, that, again, goes back to Bob Cashler, who uh, was asked to write a story about funny car aerodynamics. And this was in uh, probably the early 70s there when they didn't have the aerodynamics really figured out. Yeah. And if you remember, in Southern California, out in Orange County one night, Bob Pickett got down there. Oh, yeah. And his funny car actually took off yeah. and flew over the, the finish line lights. And uh, anyway, so Bob uh, wrote this article about funny car dynamics and uh, about getting downforce on the cars. And so I took it to the uh, to the limit and, and created Benito to put everything known to man on Earth to... Uh, to put downforce on the car, that's where he came from. But, and of course, uh, he did a, a top fuel car, a Benito Magneto top fueler, which, uh, gosh, I don't have any artwork on, but uh, it was a pretty cool piece. I would love to see that. Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah. 
just to come wow. and there was a story that accompanied that that was about Benito Magneto and his magnificent flying machine. It was just a great tongue in cheek story about all yeah. the things that were done, yeah. the sandbags and you know, yeah, it was just yeah. awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah, pretty it was fun. fun. And, and the old timers, they like that. They remember that. Yep. By the way, if I can put in a plug, I think that image is available at Fine Art America if you go to Kenny Youngblood Fine Art America. Yeah. Yeah, I bought one there a while back. Yeah. Well, I just I wanted to tell you well, thank you for being the the inspiration you were to me. I I was I was fortunate enough in 92 and 90 92 91, 92, somewhere in that area, I worked at uh, at Todd Stratton's shop for a couple of years, helping him on a bunch of funny cars and fuel cars. Okay, and, uh, now who am, I, who am I talking to now, this is, this is This is Brad. Brad King. Brad. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and well, being able to Tom, work on Tom. doing the airbrush front ends and all that. I loved doing that stuff. Yeah. And Tom, what a wonderful human being Tom Stratton was. Everybody that ever worked with him, we miss him so much. And uh, very talented, but just a fun time where you had a lot, you would have a few laughs there. So oh, it was dropping. wonderful. It, it was, was wonderful. There. One of the, one of the young people that approached me back in the day was David Peters and, um, uh, called me up and he was building, he was doing models back then. He did beautiful models. He actually would build the, the cover art models for Ravel and whatnot. And, and he wanted to do some graphics and I like a lot of, young people he says well i'm not very good but I, you know and i said well send me uh some pictures of your work or bring me and he brought them to me and they were really very good i i knew immediately that he, that he had some talent and so i just gave him a, just a couple of pointers about you know different things shapes and color and balance and things and he just took off like a rocket and of course had an amazing career designing some of the coolest graphics but he he uh, designed some that he was a good, great friend of Tom Stratton's and uh, did a lot of designs for him. But Strat, the, I used to call it the Stratunian Institute of Technology. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's yeah. kind of what it was. So the show that you guys do, this is a worldwide production? Absolutely. Yeah. This is global. That's great. That's it's really great. yeah, a podcast for automotive enthusiasts and people who want to know about automotive culture and all the things that happens from drag racing to customs to fabrication. A little bit. They they cover a lot of ground. I'm I'm just a, I'm I'm just the annoying guy who shows up on their doorstep and pushes my way in. <laughs> oh come uh, on, you do uh, one there, of you there you now go. There you go. We try to capture we try to capture as many stories as we can. You know, get get a lot of legends on here like you, and and, and, and you. Carson. And we have our weekly legend in Brad, so we're okay. <laughs> I think we've covered a bunch of great stuff, Kenny. Truly, thank you. Yeah, thanks. This well, was awesome yeah. for me. When they said you were going to be on, I'm like, I, 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 I cherry-pick <laughs> these episodes. i got to be there. Number one, I mean, I, I always say it all the time, how, how appreciative I am and how thankful I am. And I think that's oh. an important lesson for people that – you know, to, to mentor people and then to make sure you recognize that people mentored you. And yeah, I got such great advice from you, not just on... Hey, well, Car well, Carson, I'm going to ask you a question that I would like to know and I uh, bet the, the listeners would like to know, and it's not on your subject list, but you've worked with Chip Foose for many years. How's that been working with, with Chip all these years? Um, I've known Chip about 25 years. Um, even when I was in the medical field, I used to hang by the the, food, the um, Boyd shop there when Chip worked there when he first started working there full time. And we got to be friends and saw each other at car shows. And, you know, he's a friendly guy. I mean, he doesn't have an enemy in the world. 
And uh, we had some mutual interest. So when I went into the technology business, I did some wheels for him, for Boyd's, and did some CNC and rapid prototyping and cutting. And we got to be closer friends. And I went up to Mattel, and we struck a deal at Mattel. And then when I left Mattel, I really left Mattel to start my own agency and kind of do my own branding, my own licensing, and kind of run it for friends of mine in the business, one of which was Chip Foo. So we're going on 16 years now for Redfin, which is our our um, brand management uh, company that has right. Chip Foose and some other clients. And, you know, it's 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 cool to work with somebody who really is almost like your best friend. I mean, you know, they say friends yeah. don't work well together. It, Chip's an anomaly because Chip's just a gracious guy. He, he's a good guy. He People, the two questions I always get is, number one, how do I get my car in overhauling? Uh, and and number, number two is, Chip is nice as he seems like on TV. The first yeah, question I, I say, it. look, we don't pick the cars anymore. That, that They have people from the studio that been a network that picks the cars. But it's got to be half yeah. good story and half good car. The second thing is, Chip's not as nice as he seems on TV. He's nicer. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, he's a good guy. We just started yesterday, or actually today, we stole the first car for the new season of overhauling. It's coming out. We're coming back for the reboot number three. Uh, yeah. Chip, you know, he, he's a good guy and I'm lucky too that, um, I mean, I don't know if I'm bragging or whatever, but he really gives me all the bandwidth to run the company, to run his company, to, to run the brand. We do all the brand management from sponsorship, licensing, appearances, endorsements, you know, products that have right. his name and stuff. So we get to do all that stuff. We have a number of other clients too. Um, he's the big, yeah. he's the big dog in the arena, but yeah, it's, it's a blessing. You know, we, we have a lot of fun. We push the yeah. limit. But it's yeah, it's it it. I never would have thought for a kid hanging out in you know Kirby's shop, looking over the corner, watching you letter, or um, you know years later I'd be doing what I'm doing now. But I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm not gonna slow down. No, no, we're gonna do it as long as we, as long as we can breathe. I think yep. Chip, Chip was one of those youngsters that called me, uh, not maybe once or twice when he was a young man, and uh, he was wanting to to really get after it and but chip of course didn't need much uh didn't, didn't need much direction he's super talented and of course he he took right off and of course um you know tv tv takes you from a zero to superstar at the speed of light and uh those shows that have been on tv jesse james uh orange kind choppers and chip and they they just uh instantly put you over the moon um, yeah yeah, t- TV can be a focusing element, but if you don't have your stuff figured out, TV can almost hurt you more than can help you if you're not careful. And, I hate, and I'm not picking on anybody in the industry or naming names, but there have been some people that have had TV shows, automotive TV shows, that it's it's struggle. It's been a struggle for them. It's not really helped them because TV in and of itself is not a business. Chip says this, and I and I believe it. We don't build cars for TV. We build cars that are on TV. When you do that work just for TV it's not TV anymore. It's not reality. It's, it's preconceived. And so he, right. you know, he has a different approach to it, but it, it's, it's, it's a means to an end. If you market it right and you keep yourself true and you don't get too heady, not to make fun of anybody, but I always say when we go out there to LA and have these meetings, we're going out to the land where they play make believe for a living. So you got to keep your head on straight. Yeah. You got to, you got to yeah. keep your feet on the ground and no disrespect to our friends in the autom- in the automotive entertainment business. Most of these guys are really smart guys, but you got to make sure you know your brand. If you don't know your brand and you go to TV and you expect them to understand who your brand is, they'll understand it in a way that works best for them. That's just business. I don't care if you're right. you know, a baker, a painter, a you know, TV person, whatever. you got to understand your business, and that means you got to really be honest and really peel back the layers. And I will tell you, Chip is willing to take those deep dives. He's willing to look at yeah. his business. He's willing to be introspective about things, and that's one of the things that I like. You know, We've really not had a, an argument, you know, fundamental argument about anything 
we've had difference of opinion on how we should approach things, but generally he and I follow the same rule I follow with my son in business. It's like, well, if we have a difference of opinion, whose opinion would this live in if this was a business decision? Meaning if you're, if it's finance or marketing or whatever it may be, who is the person who should call the shot? Okay. You call the shot. And so we don't wander into each other's areas too much. So. Yeah. Great. Well, it's great that he's, uh, I know everybody is uh, thrilled that uh, you're doing some more overhauling. I know that's got to be a hell of a challenge and so much work. Geez, you watch him work on these cars. Yeah. And you feel sorry, you know, because you go to bed and they don't, you know, and <laughs> Yeah, but, the new uh, the new show we won't be doing the cars in a week. We'll be taking about two or three weeks to finish the car, so it's a more reasonable yeah. schedule. But still, yeah. we're going to be doing two at a time, also. Oh yeah, doing, that's uh, a so how's that more there? reasonable? Yeah. 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 We'll be at the SEMA show. We'll be at SEMA. We're not sure if we're doing a car at SEMA or not yet. We've got a lot of new stuff going on with SEMA, which is kind of cool for us. It's funny when we talk about the schedules of overhauling. I've said it again before, and I'll I'll use my same corny joke. Doing the overhauling. Uh, show doing the cars in a week make about as much sense of having nine women give you a baby in one month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. The analogy. Well, of course, to those viewers that have never been to the SEMA show, if you're a car person, you need to put that on your bucket list, man, because uh, there's nothing like it. And uh, you do have to be involved in the industry uh, to get in there. But if you can possibly make it to the SEMA show, it's just. Uh, it's nirvana for uh, for. Well, I tell you what, Kenny, we, the podcast guys do podcasts live from SEMA. I'd love to see if maybe we could get you at SEMA on on the Round Six podcast from SEMA. That'd be kind of fun to get your perspective awesome. on what's going on. That'd be because I mean you're one of those guys who's been there enough years and see the changes, see the things mm -hmm. that stay the same, from not just the the uh, the technology side, but from sponsorships, you know, design. You've seen a lot of it. It'd be cool to get you on there, get your perspective when you're sure. out there. So you'll yeah. be getting a call from us. We're, 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 we're scheduled to uh, scheduled to be there, so I'm at your service. Much like I've done with other interviews here, uh, guys, I've hijacked this one out no, of my no. whole personal desire and my connection to Kenny, and and obviously for just giving him all the gratitude in the world. I mean, I don't know what, because because my friends, you know, hung out at that shop too, and it's not like Kenny was a cantankerous guy, but you just knew when the guy was working not to bother him, you know, not. And I don't know why he gave me the the time of day, but. You know, he, he definitely gave it to me, and I'll tell you, it made a fundamental change in my life, man. It really, it, it started me on a path that has been a business that I've been running for years well, on the side. So I, I thank you for uh, Yeah, I thank the Lord above for giving me the, uh, the talent and uh, all, all the wonderful people that have helped me and I've got to meet along the way. It's just been an awesome ride. Well, I think we pretty much covered everything, unless unless yeah. there's something else you're you're missing, Carson. I I that's <laughs> pretty good pretty good recap. Yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff we could talk all night, and we well, didn't yeah. we didn't talk about our we didn't tell our drag racing stories, and the, there's yeah. a couple of I'm wanting to lay down the brushes and write some books, and uh, one of those is going to be called "A Race to Remember: My Involvement in Racing and uh, all the different things that uh, that we did there," which is going to be a lot of fun. Well, let's get you. Let's get you back on if you're if you're okay. Yeah. Let's get you back on and do it again. Yeah, and that'd be awesome. I'd love to. Talk, I'd What's love that? to hear those drag racing stories. Some I know, and some I know I'll be entertained by. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, great. Well, anytime. I'm at your service. Awesome. Thank you, Kenny, uh, for doing Carson, this for us. Carson, is, Carson's my agent. There you go. There you go. I got a new client. Awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks, Thank you, Kenny. Kenny. Say hi to Terry oh, for me. Good night. Good night. Hey, talk to you later. Night. Well, dude, how you doing, man? Yeah, no energy, just wiped out, huh? Yeah, they kicked my ass today.
Well, I don't hey, know if you would have got a word in edgewise anyway with me. No, so Carson, and thank you for running. No, it like Carson, you, did. you were great. No, no. You jumped. I feel so bad. A couple times. What did I, I miss? No, no, you well, was see, awesome. my problem is when I get down those rabbit holes, I lose all perspective and all content of what other people want to hear. But it was and, perfect. And, and I, and I, you know, oh. I want to tell the old stories and oh, no, go back no. to the old times. But I mean, honestly, that guy. I, I really cannot even explain to you why he was nice to me because it's not like he was a mean guy, but you just knew when he when he pulled down that garage door and started lettering, everybody scattered. Everybody just left. And, they, and if you stood there, they went, whoa, 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 no, yeah, you got to get out of here. And, and well, I, like, a guy with a creative sense like he does, you know, interference and things like that keep, knocks you out of that rhythm. And that's probably, yes, you yes. know, you don't want to get out of that rhythm. Well, you've, you've said that before. Yeah, you know, and, and he, you, and he, you, you lose you lose track of time. You're just yeah. in the zone. Yeah, you're in the zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He would well, get in there, but gosh, that guy had a rhythm. I mean, that guy. You would watch him work. It was like it was like watching music being made. It was just yeah. phenomenal. He made it look easy, probably. You're just see, watching I, this guy just tool along. It's just like you're watching this thing come together. And see, yeah. I've always been a visual learner. You know, I can read an instruction sheet. I can look, but but if I see somebody doing something, yeah, like uh, throwing a baseball pole. I mean, I went out and tried pole vaulting after being a gymnast and damn near set the high school record the first time out. I said, why aren't you in pole vaulting? I said, because I'm in gymnastics. Well, how'd you learn this? I don't know, just watching those guys. <laughs> like, But I could learn stuff by watching. And Kenny, I could literally see that all those steps and all those layers, as complicated as they looked, as long as I saw him do it, I could figure it out. And uh, I mean, I, I, I have a replica of the Barry Setzer, funny car, a little die cast model, 24 scale. And I had that guy sign that thing for me years ago. It's just because that was like a, like a punch ticket for your experience as a kid. Yeah. And then, yeah, he went on to great things. He gave me great advice. And it was funny, 20 years later when I ran into him at the SEMA show, I said, you're not going to remember. He goes, I remember you. I said, well, I used to hang out. He goes, no, I told you I remember you. He goes, your nickname was Corky, right? And I went, oh, my God. Wow. I'm like, wow. that is that is pretty, because only a few people knew me by that name. Yeah. I appreciate you covering it. Yeah, it was great. No, no, the way it it ran, it was perfect. No, no, it worked out really, really well. Well, I'll have to listen to it to make sure it makes sense because my head gets full of random dust. No, you kind of take it in a place where it's a really personal thing, and I I love it when you're on, and I know that our our listeners like it when you're on too because they, they take a lot of that personal side. So right. that, that, it's bitching, man. I you don't feel I like it. it's canned. It's like, you know, somebody's searching right. for the next question. It just runs. It just goes. Well, and that's, that's, that's why great. it was perfect that we didn't do that because I was enjoying it. Was it. You. I didn't like, want to jump in. I well, really didn't. I didn't. I don't have a lot of a lot of interaction with him over the years, a little bit. You know, I don't know what what Brian has. I don't know what Alex has, but. I we don't. knew you had a background with him, so it's like we're just gonna. Sit yeah, back. And, I, and I really avoided going deep on stuff because I just felt like, okay, that's just too narrow perspective to me. That's just too specific to me. There's got to be some entertainment value here. But I mean, like, I wish he would have gone into more detail about literally how he laid out that first grill and painted it because, yeah, he didn't do the first one. You know, Tom Kelly had done it, and you know, Tom Kelly had a more production-based business, and Kenny had more of an art-based business. Me, you know, I'm just using vernacular to to be yeah. kind, and and. No disrespect. I mean, the 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 funny cars for Snake and Prudhomme looked good, but Kenny's had that extra depth. So Brad, you would get this. So like when he put the bars down for like the like on a like on a Vega grill, um, you know he'd put the silver he'd put the silver spray down. He put the tape over the top. He'd spray it, and then he would drop back in the shadow of the little like a drop shadow like top left and and bottom. You know, right, like right. like shadow. But he didn't just hit those with a solid color. He would go back and individually airbrush each one of those, getting darker as it went further into the background and putting a little highlight on each bar. 
Sorry. Yeah. I hope you're not recording. Well, this. that's the one I'm thing like, that I always like about him. He's just little highlight dots. Yes. I mean, not yes. many guys did that. He did him in the right place. Yes. And his taillights were like you could, you could reach into his taillights. I mean, his taillights yeah. were better than the headlights. Yeah. That's how I learned to do all, all kinds of highlights and hot spots, too. Yeah. It, I had a guy who taught me. It was always, okay, you've got your hottest spot, but everything back from there has to fall into a plane on space. Yeah. So it was always cool. I, I just... Yeah, the little starlight angular thing. I mean, it just—I mean, everything lined up right. Like all your highlights and shadows and backgrounds went to the same vanishing point. I love just, and I didn't want to geek out on orthographic or orthographic projection, but oh my gosh, I spent so many years doing that stuff. It was just just ridiculous because in the medical field, everything was technical illustrations too. And so once I designed the product for the industrial design, I was of course chartered with doing all the assembly stuff and all the service manuals. Lucky me. But mm-hmm. everything was orthographic back in those days. So if you could draw the front and side views and top and bottom, then you went to orthographic projection. So it's funny that Kenny would sh- would shortcut that process. That's awesome. That's, that's totally Kenny. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you know, uh, being from the aerospace industry, sometimes some of the drawings that you got, if it if the, if your plot's big enough, it could be a one to one. You could actually put your scale yeah. to it. Yeah. And, and start making some work off of it. So I'm thinking to myself, some yeah. poor guy probably took one of his and said, Yeah. Wait a Just minute. Send this part back. Yeah. This thing is yeah. not dimensionally correct. Yeah, yeah. It gets narrower <laughs> as it gets further away from yeah, my eye. Something's wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. I mean, he's one of the guys, again, like I said, I could have gone way down the rabbit hole and stuff, but I want to make sure that people could at least relate to the, the multiple topics we tried to cover. So th- and thank you guys for indulging me. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm not, oh, I'm not fishing for compliments. I really mean this. No, you I guys you guys indulge me and I and I it's funny you no. were I guess. No, there's certain so. Dude, there's certain parts of this that, that you fit in, and we kind of need you. It's like yeah, everybody. There's no way we could have done what you did tonight. Honestly, I'll, I'll say it. We all kind of we all kind of have right. our own little our own little niche. I mean, that's just that's just who yeah. we are. And and we bring you in, and it's like, okay, we got a guy that. It's like, okay, I know that guys. I know that guys. I know that guys. That guy used to make Carson bologna sandwiches. All right, we're gonna have Carson. <laughs> <Yeah. on. I laughs> <laughs> the guy is just old enough, you know, <laughs> just old enough to just barely be relevant. No, yeah. cool. But we should get him at SEMA. I think it'd be awesome. That was fun. And, and other than the interruption and trying to work to get him on there and hanging up and get back, once he got going, I mean, it was nice. He he yeah. he was going. He was carrying the story, man. Yeah, he fired it right off. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. And then, um, Brian. Yeah, no worries, Brian. And again, I mean this. Thank you guys for indulging me. I re- it's just so cool where a guy my age gets to go back and look at the history and the places I was. Man, I didn't realize how I was walking with legends. Man, I'm just blessed. And then to be able to go back and recount stories with these guys and thank them. I mean, it's that's it's a blessing for me. So it's awesome. It was an honor to have uh, a, a legend like Kenny on with us tonight. Yeah, it was really awesome, and I and thank you guys for letting me hijack it again. It was uh, it was phenomenal to, to to get his perspective on things and learn all that cool stuff about him. Oh yeah, that was awesome. I was enjoying was that you were geeking out over that. <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I warned you guys. I'm going to go deep on this one. Like this thing could have gone on. Oh, it was fun <laughs> to sit and, and spectate. It was great. I mean, I it was it was fun. We knew going in because history <laughs> with the man and fair warning. That that make it makes my day to be able to have you on with Kenny. That that's just awesome for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I appreciate it. I mean, like I said during the interview, he he was very significant and a great mentor to me. And it's great years later when people get a payback. And I guess that'd be a message for everybody out there. It's like, boy, make sure you say thank you to those people that gave you early start, gave you advice and gave you advice. And then don't be afraid to be that guy for the next generation. Right, exactly. Big time. And you guys, and both you and Brad, have, have quite a connection to that as far as your careers go. We've definitely been blessed there, that's for sure. Well, we will definitely catch up with him again at uh, the SEMA show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be fun. Oh, yeah, we'll make that. A, that'll be a blast. It'd be fun to walk that him. floor with an artist and, and listen to his perspective on, on what he's seeing. That'd be, mm-hmm. a, lot fun. That'd be mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Yeah. Definitely, and I think that's a growing theme with something we're going to try to do this year. Well, for those of you out there who are going to steal our ideas for the SEMA show now. Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> But man, I, I I can't thank you enough for uh, for sitting in with us again, sir. It's great to have our our, our fourth. You're like our fourth beetle. Yeah, I'm the first guy who comes in off the bench. You're like Shemp. Oh wait, a I am like Shemp. <laughs> That's not right. Not quite Larry Moore and Cody Joe. I am Shemp. I'm the cousin of one of the players who gets signed in because of bloodline. That is me. Wow. Come on, you could go better than that. He's he's like our our Rick Derringer. You're like you're like our studio, uh, what do you call it, a session musician. You come in and you save the solo. He's Peter Chris. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Boo. Even Peter Chris doesn't want to be Peter Chris. So eventually he's just going to be the, the downfall of the Roundset podcast. Huh? Yeah, he's going to be like that kid Oliver that was on the uh, Brady Bunch that Brady went up Bunch, killing the entire Oliver. show. Cousin Oliver. Yeah, yeah. The one they what what the was Richie Cunningham's movie. brother's name on Chuck. Happy Days? It was uh, Chuck. Uh, Chuck. Oh, you're our Chuck. I could be Chuck. We could say, what's up, Chuck? Or I could be the the basketball a couple times and then vanish into thin air. It could also be the second Darren Seasons or Darren Stevens on town. Darren, which you just showed up and people weren't supposed to realize it was a different guy. Just some new guy showed up one day and everything's the same. Dick York. Dick York. It was Dick Sargent. Sargent. Dick Sargent, Dick York. Yep. A lot of dicks on that show. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the director's cut. As long as I'm your anybody, I don't care who far down, how far down the food chain it is. <laughs> well, boys, um, well, as always, thank thank you for listening to our show, you fine listeners out there in Listenerville. Um, we couldn't do this without you, and we also couldn't do this without the good folks over at Trailer Tug. Make sure you give them a visit at trailertug.com and check out the world's strongest trailer dolly. And uh, listeners of the Round 6 podcast get 10% off their order when they call in or they order online by simply using the secret code ROUND6. Well, guys, uh, at the end of a big episode 66, uh, I am a uh, a much more invigorated Brian. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a boy. I don't even know what to go with on that one. I'm a, uh, I'm a lock me in the shop and uh, throw cheeseburgers under the door, kind of like, kind of like happened to Kenny over the years. We'll just, we'll just go with that. <laughs> well, I'm finally airbrushed, Alex. So, Carson, what are you? I'm uh, erroneously irrelevant, Carson. Oh, what? Erroneous? Erroneous? Yeah, erroneously irrelevant. irrelevant? It's kind of like, right. like a pseudo intellectual, but I use that. You don't get to time. use big words on this podcast. Yeah. I don't think so. It's vocab word. 
I got to use it three times in a sentence this week. Was my assignment. An entire geographic area of our listeners right now is scratching their heads. <laughs> How do you spell Webster's? I forgot. <laughs> so many places to go. So many benefits to keep. Uh, <laughs> you guys all have a great week. Uh, we'll catch yep. you, the listener, next week. Or maybe right. even before. Who knows? You never know when to run into one of us. But thank you again, Carson, for uh, sitting in and uh, providing incredible insight. As always. Yes, thank you, Carson, again. Uh, thanks for having me. I, it means a lot to me. Thank you, guys. I mean, the fact that you guys let me do this and it's fun and uh, you indulge me, I, I, I mean it. I'm serious. I, I really appreciate it. The seat is always open. Cool. Don't say that. I'll take it. <laughs> it's working out great because we figure what with your with your payment plan on the microphone you're you're about a nickel an episode so <laughs> I only have to do this oh, four more years man yeah. like, is this gonna be like the Columbia Tape Club <laughs> <laughs> twenty five easy payments this is never ending but I get ten tracks for a dollar exactly only for a penny <laughs> I didn't want any more Robert Palmer. Yeah, and the yeah. first one you buy after those ten costs you forty-five bucks. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, cool. they're responsible for lowering my credit score about fifteen points at one point. <laughs> just, just looking at the ad did that to everybody. Exactly. Who, who was the bunch in the nineties that basically took her? Was it B BMG? BMG. Kate Oh, Kate Oh, Kate Kate preceded everyone. Oh, but those was, are the ones you could the... get the really rare people on. You could get like Slim Bullfrogs sings yeah. the hits. <laughs> yeah, Red Sylvine sings all your favorite trucking songs. <laughs> all right, guys, I'm out. All right. All right, guys, thanks, list. man. Thanks, all again, right. Thank you again for listening, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to keep up with us gearheads over on our website at www.round6pod.com. If you'd like to, we invite you to follow along with us over on Facebook, Instagram, and be sure to check out all of our latest videos on YouTube.com. Big thanks once again to our sponsor, Trailer Tug. Please visit them at trailertug.com and learn more about the world's strongest trailer dolly. Our listeners receive 10% off their order when they use the discount code ROUND6 at checkout or when calling their order in 